Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And Alice, guess what? What? We have a big announcement to make. That's right. We have a huge announcement to make for everyone listening. Uh, we just launched our Patreon. Boo-boo-boo! Patreon time! <laughs> uh, now, we don't want to take up too much of your time at the beginning of the episode. We want to jump right back in. But if you stick around at the end of the episode, we're going to talk a little bit about um, you know what we're offering as far as uh, Patreon rewards tiers. But if you're interested, you can find us at patreon.com slash those happy places. Right, Alice? Yes, that's right. Patreon.com slash those happy places. But we'll tell you more at the end of this episode. Episode. Thank you so much to everyone who uh, to listen and support. We uh, we love and appreciate you, uh, regardless of monetary support. We're just happy you're here. Yeah. Uh, so, Alice, uh, I'm really excited about today's episode because this is a concept that's been uh, bopping around in my head for a couple of months now, and it's this idea of theme parks and permanence. Now, we put this out on Twitter. We had a couple of episode ideas, um, and this is the one that won the poll. So here we are now to talk about it. Um, and I guess I should start with, uh, why we're talking about it in the first place. Right. Uh, right. That's, that's right. Because when you brought it up or when you put it in the poll, uh, I hadn't really considered this topic at all and I didn't have any strong opinions one way or the other on it. So, uh, and many of our listeners might not have considered this idea at all. So why don't you go ahead and, and tell us, uh, about what you mean when you say theme park and permanence and uh, and why we're going to talk about it. Uh, why now? Like, why? Why? Uh, why? Why, why today? Why now? Indeed. Um, well, I was I guess I was a little inspired by uh, some of the recent news coming out of uh, specifically the Walt Disney Company, um, which is, you know, all about the stuff that's coming to the parks, all the new stuff that's coming to the parks. And there was this rather controversial statement um, by the president of the company, Bob Iger, who he, he said that, you know, they want to focus more on intellectual property and less on generically themed coasters. Um, and many people took that as a dig on Expedition Everest, which, Alice, I, I know you rode last time you went there. It's a really good roller coaster. I, I would not call this coaster generically themed. Um, but I, I kind of see, you know, where some of the anger is coming from, but also kind of what the what the idea of... Um, of Mr. Iger's whole philosophy here is, which is that people want uh, very thoroughly themed experiences and many people want these things from, you know, properties they recognize. So I, I completely understand both sides of this argument. Um, but I was thinking about why so many people get um, really upset when theme parks change um, and and maybe, maybe where that reaction comes from, right? Because... Theme parks are by nature kind of uh, novelties and they, they kind of trade on novelty. So they have this uh, this air of being uh, constantly new, constantly refreshed and refurbished, adding new and exciting things. But at the same time, there's this idea that theme parks should maintain an identity uh, sort of over time, maintain some some common core, some theme uh, especially with the Disney parks. There's a lot of uh, emotions caught up in that, right? 
Uh, right. It's an, an incredibly emotional space and a, a very like personal space for a lot of people, especially people who um, who maybe have to travel long distances to get there, or don't get to experience it all the time. It becomes this um, this really like kind of personal place for so many people. Um, and so the idea of it changing or uh, or a favorite attraction being taken away, um, it kind of affects people really personally. Yeah. Uh, and the the comparison to other media for me is really interesting. I mean, we always go back to movies. It feels like we're always talking about movies on this theme park podcast. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the case of film, uh you know, when a bad movie comes out, um, especially when it's in something like a beloved franchise, which I think is maybe the the nearest comparison we have to theme parks, like something that's ongoing and that should have like a core identity that unites every piece of it. Right. right. Um, when a bad movie comes out in a franchise that you really like, uh, a common refrain that I often hear is uh, it, it doesn't invalidate the old stuff. It doesn't make the old stuff go away. Um, and I really agree with that, actually. Uh, Alice, you and I were talking about this um, on our <laughs> Discord channel before we started this uh, this recording. Uh, we were talking with fellow Podnot TH Ponders and a friend of the podcast, uh, Liam. And we were talking and I was talking about how when I was uh, maybe a teenager uh, <laughs> and maybe into my early 20s, I really, really hated on the star wars prequels all the time oh right? all the time you and hated those movies i was insufferable about it and i do apologize for that past behavior because uh you know in recent years i've really uh warmed up to the prequels uh the the funniest thing was that uh i used to say like oh my childhood the prequels uh <laughs> when literally the prequels were my childhood uh, <laughs> yeah, we were very young when yeah. the first, when Phantom Menace came out. And so I always and, and I'm going to go ahead and say a little bit of I told you so, um, because I feel like I spent a lot of time during our teenage years trying to tell you, hey, just because you don't like a, a current film just because you don't like this reboot it actually it came up a lot in songs it's like just because you don't like this cover song does not take away your enjoyment of the original song oh yeah like you used to get really up in arms about cover songs too you were you were always growing up you were like an original is always better kind of guy and uh and i'm and i'm i've been guilty of it in the past too but i think it's part of maybe part of maturity or just being exposed to more media but um i like to I, I like to like things and i think you do too part of the fun is 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 surrounding yourself with media and with things that you enjoy that you like so if you don't like it just ignore it right go back to the things that you do like so even if you still didn't like the star wars prequels you still no one was ever stopping you from going back to watch the originals right and and the original trilogy and their identity and their aesthetic and all of the things about them that people have always loved uh still absolutely have always existed now that the, the water is a little muddy because you can't see the theatrical cuts um no. uh, outside of very special circumstances but like the, the point still stands. Those old movies are still there and you can watch them whenever you want. 
if an author writes a bad book, their old books are still there and you can read them whenever you want. Yeah, they're um, extremely permanent, like physical media. You don't yeah. even have to go download them somewhere. You, For the most part, you can literally get a physical piece of media that you can keep in your home. It's why I collect DVDs still. Uh, a, because I don't have a Blu-ray player, but also <laughs> like I, I like to have a physical manifestation of a thing that I love. And yeah. no one can take that away from me. And the difference, perhaps, with theme parks and the changes that they undergo is that they are permanent changes. Uh, changes that cannot be undone easily, uh, often are not undone at all, and that uh, once they're gone can't be experienced in the same way ever again. Um, and I find that to be fascinating. I mean, if you watch a movie that was released in 1955, that movie is the same in 2019. Happy 2019, by the way. Uh, it's the same in 2019 as it ever was. Uh, but by contrast, and Alice, you and I were talking about this with uh, Liam, if somebody... Uh, went to Disneyland in 1955 and then they went back for the first time today it would be a completely different place uh, a completely be, different experience it would be almost almost wholly unrecognizable there's, there's almost nothing about Disneyland that is identical to it to its original opening day you might still have some some things that would jog a memory uh, uh, the structure of, of Main Street, for example, the like layout of the, the like wheel format of the park. Um, but I mean, like if you went in 1955 and then again today, you would be confronted by uh, entirely new lands like Toontown, um, uh, entirely new types of rides, entirely new uh, locations of rides like you uh, like the um the teacups uh, ride is a, was a, an opening day attraction, but is now in a completely different part of the park than it was. Uh, they just picked it up and moved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so you might you might get the the vibe, and you might still find it completely magical, but you would not uh, recognize it. Yeah, and that's that's fascinating because no no other kind of media is like that, and I think the reaction. Uh, to change in the parks then becomes a little bit more understandable um, where we can say like, hey, when it changes, it's it's gone or there there is something that is gone when something replaces something else. That old thing is gone. It's not coming back. Um, and it, that's something that maybe it seems a little um a little bit like an overreaction, like, oh, no, I, I'll never be able to ride uh, the Country Bear Jamboree again. Oh, um, well, it's still in Florida. It, it is still in Florida. But you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe it feels a bit like an overreaction because you'll never be able to ride something that is now not there anymore. On the other hand, that is kind of tantamount to the uh, destruction of art. Um, it's kind of like rounding up every copy of a movie and destroying it um, because that thing can't come back without an immense investment and all sorts of legal things I assume um, it, that thing is not coming back and 
the very personal feelings we have uh, towards theme parks and the way that they change over time uh, can can absolutely feel like amplified by that knowledge. Uh, right. Because they didn't just they because they they can't take away your experience on the ride just like they can't take away you know an original film that you saw you, no one can take that from you however it does completely remove the opportunity for you to uh, experience it again or to share it with people that you love it's just gone you can't take your kids i can't i i i, I I don't know why this is my very first example, um, but I can't go to Disneyland with my children and have them ride the rocket rods. They're gone. <laughs> um, they weren't emotionally important to me, um, but, but they uh, are gone. But they are gone, and they were a memory that I had that now I can just say, "Back in my day." <laughs> Back in my day, there was a ride here that barely worked. There was a ride here that barely worked that I got stuck on. One time it broke down. I was single ridering alone at seven years old, and oh, I got. No. And Alice. I got, <laughs> it was very traumatizing. Um, I'm so but, sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at your trauma. Oh no, no, no! It's fine. It was hysterical. Now oh, okay. it's hysterical. It's, now it's funny now. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, not that I want to wish that on other people, but now that's my singular experience that cannot be replicated, and and I guess that makes it also unique and special. But it also means, yeah, that it's just gone. They're not going to put the rocket rods back in there. And if they did, it's not the same, right? They would change part of it. They would make it, you know. Hopefully they would make it work. <laughs> they would make it work and it would be more stable and less broken. Um, but it's not the same. Yeah. And it's funny because I think when we think about theme parks, uh, we think about them as permanent places. And this is another thing that's kind of different than other forms of media, where last last episode we were talking a little bit about um, wanting to go see Star Wars Episode Nine, whatever the subtitle turns out to be, um, with people, right? Uh, we want to go and watch it while it's still in theaters. It's this fleeting uh, experience that we're all going to seek out, right? Right. Uh, and theme parks are kind of like that in that uh, they are fleeting, right? They might change later. So you've got to experience what they have here and now. Um, but on the other hand, they're kind of the complete opposite of that because there is no theater in the world that will only play Star Wars Episode Nine for 20 years at a time. Um, however, Disneyland will play the same attraction for at least 20 years at a time. I, I'm sure when they're building something like that, they're thinking about how to do it in the long term. So these are repeatable experiences for a long time, just not indefinitely. Uh, and they're also isolated in space. So you can't always access them. Uh, but if you are near it, you can go to it. You know what I mean, Alice? It's weird. <laughs> it is it is weird and it's definitely unique um to this experience i can't think of anything but uh i mean can can you think of anything but a theme park ride that would invoke this kind of like this kind of like like semi-permanence 
semi permanence the 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 like way to put that like it is, it's, yeah like a semi almost uh, it it can it can last literally a lifetime um you know when we talk about opening day attractions or attractions that were completed in the 60s classic attractions like pirates of the caribbean or haunted mansion which have been around forever it seems like like, can you imagine a world without the Haunted Mansion? Can you imagine Disneyland without the Haunted Mansion? I don't I don't want to. And and yet it could be removed and replaced. Uh, there's it could be maybe maybe uh, 70 years from now, uh, we reach a point where the Haunted Mansion stops being so um, so iconic and, and special to people that they go, you know what, like this, we're not getting the same kind of traffic in here as we used to. People just don't seem to really like it anymore. What if we just put in a new thing? Sure. And, and that would be, I mean, a valid choice, wouldn't it, Alice? This is, uh, the Haunted Mansion running for as long as it has is kind of like a theater that only does one show uh and it has done that one show for 40 50 years uh it would be a really weird theater and yet i mean uh, chicago's almost done that <laughs> um in in new york is there a They've theater been that's only the run in chicago uh for 21 years that's now incredible. i think 22 years and that's just this iteration of the show like it ran before that right um, and, but yeah, but that but that's I mean, it's wild because that theater has become that show. I mean, the set pieces are built into the stage now and it's not planning on going anywhere. Right. It just keeps running the same stuff, the same show and the sa- over, you know, 20 something years. And and just like Haunted Mansion, where like some of the effects or set pieces have changed, but the show has overall remained the same. I'm sure that many actors have come and gone in that time. So it's kind of so many. it's kind of that same phenomenon, right? This is yeah. the theater where Chicago plays, but I'm sure that the first month that they don't sell out for an entire month, they may think about changing the show. And I mean, maybe or maybe it just stays iconic for so long that they just keep going. I mean, if it's still making money, right? Right. And and that's the thing is, wouldn't that kind of transform the space from entertainment space to kind of memorial museum type space? Ooh, uh, yeah. Kind of a, a space not for novelty, not to show people things they haven't seen or something special that they could only see in one place, but rather a uh, a place of preservation. And I think that's what especially with the Disney parks, I think that's what a lot of fans might prefer. Uh, a Disney park that maintains a core identity that they identify with or that they identify with the parks themselves. Yeah. And I wonder, like, is that necessarily uh, intended ever? Is that something that could work long term as a business strategy? Or, you know, is Disneyland, like Walt Disney infamously said... Uh, never going to be finished. And I always kind of read that quote as like a cheeky, haha, we're not quite done with the park yet. Please be be gentle. Um, but it's also kind of a, I hope we're always innovating here. And I feel like that's an important aspect of the Disneyland and Disney World uh, ethos, if you could call it that. Yeah, uh, you've just given me like a 
good idea or not a good idea, uh, an interesting thought. Um, you've sparked a spark something. I want to uh, run this past you. Okay. Um, uh, the theme park Disney. Let's just keep using Disneyland. Disneyland as a museum. Disneyland is a is an institution now. It is a you know sixty year long. It's a sixty year old like space that is. Let's call it a museum. And let's call um, Peter Pan's flight and Pinocchio's daring journey and the teacups and these um, these like opening day attractions. Let's call them um, like in a museum. You've got your uh, exhibits, right? You've got your standard exhibits. Um, but what if like other rides and other attractions coming in and out are just like traveling exhibits. Uh, like uh, uh, you can go to the Museum of Natural History and for a few months or, you know, a year or so at a time, you've suddenly got like these new um, these like this is a special exhibit, like a special event that's going to be here for like a while come see it it's gonna hang out for uh, for quite some time you have time to come get it but it's not going to always be here it will it will go away at some point and then you won't get to see it again um if the if disney itself is a like like an like an icon or like a like a piece of history it can have it, it can and maybe should have pieces that that come in and hang out for a while, but they don't stick because maybe they weren't as iconic or maybe they, uh, maybe they were iconic, but they were dated only to this particular moment in history. And if you miss it, if you miss that moment in history, well, then you missed it. Like that's, and that's just how it is. Atlas, I am reminded of two, uh, things that have happened in Disneyland in the past. Um, but before I start, I want to say, of course, we should acknowledge that Disneyland literally has museums in it. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, the, there's the whole front area in front of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln that is literally a Disneyland museum. Yes, um, of course. And that is its own way of telling its story and of memorializing its past um, and of showcasing things that people consider part of the iconography and important history of the parks. Um, so that's separate. I have these two other things that I want to talk about. Um, Alice, in the past, I remember uh, small attractions and shows that coincided with important releases of films or of uh, like popular television shows that were like ongoing. Are you um, going to mention the um, the live action Hunchback and Notre Dame show? Because that changed my life and I is, am, is still the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> absolutely alluding to that. The the Feast of <laughs> Fools, I think it was called. Oh, um, it was the best. And it's right there. It's nestled between. Uh, now, let me see if I can get this right. It's between Fantasyland and Frontierland, kind of mm -hmm. by Big Thunder Mountain. Now yes. that area might be called Big Thunder Ranch, but I think it's kind of being subsumed into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I think it is being Feel eaten by Galaxy's Edge, yes. Feel the hype. <laughs> I'm uh, so hyped. <laughs> and the 
the show was huge, right? Now, Alice, I believe I've seen a photo of you in this show. Yes. Uh, now, yes, you are you a tiny baby at the time. <laughs> yes, I was a very small baby. Um, I was a small child, uh, but they had a part like dance breaks in the show where the um, where the dancers would pull little kids from the front couple of rows and hand them tambourines and, and have them dance around during the Topsy Turvy song. <laughs> so you got to you got to do that. Oh, of course, every time. And I wouldn't leave Disneyland without doing it. Oh, it was my favorite. That's so cool. Um, I got to say. I'm kind of glad that Hunchback of Notre Dame had that kind of representation in the parks. And maybe I'm kind of glad that they didn't try to, for example, take out Pinocchio's Daring Journey and put in Hunchback of Notre Dame the ride. Uh, (laughs) They would call it Quasimodo's Rip Roarin' Adventure. I'm sure they wouldn't, but... (laughs) completely get the tone of the film wrong. Uh, (laughs) No, absolutely and i'm i i wonder like you know in some cases um why might that be a better choice and i think what it really comes down to alice is i whether or not that property or that idea uh can stand the test of time might be up in the air so a smaller scale temporary production um or a smaller attraction uh makes more sense and you know, I kind of miss that at Disneyland. I kind of miss that uh, space for that. And I kind of miss the idea that, like, something's going to show up and it's only going to be here for a little while. Um, and if it works, it works and it stays. But if it only sort of works, it, it can go. And yeah. we don't have to feel bad about that. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm I thinking of another show at at, um, at, Cal- at actually at California Adventure, the uh, Aladdin musical. Uh, Aladdin the musical ran in a theater in California Adventure for years, 10, 10 years, <laughs> for a, a really, time. really, really long time. And it only just in the last couple of years was replaced by uh, the Frozen musical. Um, and these are like little like 90 minute long uh, mini productions of the Broadway equivalents. Um, but Like the Aladdin show probably didn't need to hang on for, you know, 10 years or whatever. They could have replaced it at any time, but it was working and regularly drew huge crowds to see it. So they didn't change it. They kept it. But then when it was time to change it, they swapped it out for something more new and possibly more relevant to the audience they were trying to attract. Yeah. And I I think sometimes Disneyland uh, doesn't get that benefit because of people's expectations of it. Um, and I know we we use Disneyland as an example a lot, but when people don't want things to change because they like them as it is, then it kind of puts the park itself in a bind. It wants to change and update and uh, be exciting and new, but at the same time, it feels like it kind of can't. So poor Disneyland gets kind of <laughs> stuck in a rut where it oh man, I'd really like to change out Aladdin now. The the film is 20 years old and uh, many people don't want to see the Aladdin musical anymore. Oh no, everybody still loves it. Um, <laughs> uh, could, it could be a real problem, um, especially if you're trying to creatively rework the park to suit some kind of new need. Um, so that's one thing I thought of is like these these temporary exhibition type attractions, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing I thought of, and Alice, you're going to have to you're going to have to back me up on this because I'm sure uh, some of our listeners may not have ever gotten the chance to experience it. But 
Innoventions <gasps> is an example of how this concept maybe didn't quite work, actually. Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. No, uh, you're definitely... I have forgotten about Innoventions. Innoventions. Uh, Innoventions was, a, was a, for anybody who doesn't remember or didn't ever get to experience the oddities that were present in Innoventions, it was... Um, it was a, a a large building in the back of Tomorrowland. It used to be something else, didn't it? Um, uh, it was the uh, Carousel of Progress that then became America Sings. Um, Interventions was just like a big empty building where they tried to uh, to display like like cool new smart home technology and oh look at this brand new invention the Segway and <laughs> I um, remember you could actually test Segways you could there. test Segways there inside Innoventions. They had arcade games and they had like uh, new computer models that you could mess with. Like in the late 90s, early 2000s I feel like it the idea was, was kind of a um, kind of a Epcot like it was it was um it was like Disney's answer or California's answer to like uh the cities of city of tomorrow and like oh look at how how cool the future is yeah kind of a, a showcase had, a showcase of technology yeah stuff that they had had kind of in in Florida for a while um but they in instead of I feel like Florida's uh, version of that is all of Tomorrowland whereas um uh, in California, they restricted it to just like one big weird building with no windows. Um, and <laughs> that was a strange part of it. Yes, that, yeah. that it was a big, dark, partially rotating building with no windows. Um, and I, there are things about interventions that I love. Uh, for example, the production of uh, or the the uh, character Tom Morrow who was an audio animatronic that was voiced by Nathan Lane, who you might know as Timon. Um, or as so the original good. Max Bialystok from the producers. Um, so good. He, he was just a great, fun character who liked the future and was a cool robot. I mean, I liked a lot about him. Um, and I, I do kind of dig on the atmosphere inside of Interventions. The kind of dark, everything is lit in colorful ways. Um, like cool, different spokes on a wheel sort of nature of the exhibits there's cool stuff about it let's be let's be real alice it's oh, still cool we um, definitely killed a lot of hours inside interventions yeah um because sometimes all of it was you know super hot outside and we needed a cool building to run into or the opposite it was pouring down rain yeah. um and we would run into this cool building and play a couple of arcade games and then go about our merry way yeah, so, I mean, there are cool things about Innoventions, but I think Innoventions is a flawed concept for a theme park because theme parks have a speed. Um, and this might seem kind of silly, but theme parks move at a certain speed that is unique to theme parks. So sometimes they can do things very quickly, such as reskinning the Tower of Terror at California Adventure, uh, that only took a couple of months, and suddenly it was Guardians of the Galaxy. That was very Mission, fast. Mission, colon, breakout, exclamation, exclamation. Right. Uh, exclamation point. Um, <laughs> other times, things take years. Uh, things are built very slowly. 
Um, but there is a speed, and that speed is limited by things like money, um, labor hours, uh, and not to mention all of the deals that go into making a theme park attraction happen. And the thing about Innoventions was it was meant to have constant new sponsorship. And things were meant to be uh, brought in and swapped out very, very quickly. And that got expensive very, very quickly. And soon, as technology progressed, Innoventions became outdated. One of my favorite memories of Innoventions, because it was so hilarious, was... I got in line and waited the two minutes because there was never any line for interventions. You just and needed then, to wait for the uh, for the uh, carousel to come back around to right, let you it, on. Right, just had to spin <laughs> back around to an entrance. Um, and we saw a demonstration of Photoshop. <laughs> and this was like 2008 and anybody could have Photoshop. But this person was like, look, with the wonders of technology, I can change the photo's tints. And oh my gosh. I can adjust the hue slider. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. Interventions is bad now. <laughs> Literally, Photoshop's been a thing since photos were invented. Like <laughs> And this person is is sitting at their computer trying to make Photoshop seem cutting edge. And it was a live actor, you know, like a person who who was meant to demonstrate this, you know, every seven minutes or so. And I walked away in like partial disgust. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is terrible. And then I went upstairs and I realized that I was looking at the same exhibits that had been there for five, six years. And they were all completely outdated. Yeah, things had moved on and a segue just wasn't going to cut it anymore. Um, and when your focus is on change, I feel like that can be almost as disastrous as your focus being on permanence. Um, so I think semi-permanence might kind of be the answer, right? Having this attitude of, we keep what we can, we change what doesn't work as quickly as we can, uh, is a pretty good philosophy. Yeah, treat it like a museum um, that with rotating exhibits and and fresh new things for people to see. Because you also want to encourage people to come back, right? You want people to come back over and over and over again. But if it was the exact same, then... And every single time you came, your repeat audience goes down. And uh, and then people just go, oh, well, you know, I've already rode that ride 150 times. Like, I guess I'll go ride in another time. But the, it loses some of the novelty and maybe even, yeah, some of that, like, magic of, of what that Disney strives so hard to uh, to cultivate. Yeah. Right. Disney is all about magic and the magic of the wonder of walking into this park of, of riding on a ride um, might it not always and not necessarily. I mean, there are certain rides that, that will remain magical forever. They've hit like the formula and the like cultural hotspot for this ride. Uh, but that can't work. It physically cannot work for every ride. You've got to change things occasionally. Yep. Things must change. And some things, I think, should stay the same. 
and keep something. the haunted mansion forever. Yes, the the haunted mansion must be immortalized. Um, I wonder if maybe there should be more of a push to uh, preserve certain things about theme parks, maybe even at a separate location, kind of a, a museum of theme parks, a place that could actually be treated like a museum so that the theme parks could continue to innovate because part of what makes them so wonderful is the way that they push technology. It is the way that they push entertainment in different and new and in- interesting, exciting directions. But wouldn't a museum of theme parks just be another theme park? <laughs> <laughs> Practically. Uh, uh, and and I that's mean, the thing. Unless it was like, oh, look at this ride vehicle from this old ride, like literally a museum. Um, but if it was like, oh, well, the only place you can still ride the people mover in California is at the Museum of Disneyland. Isn't it just another? <laughs> it's Disneyland, too. Uh, we built it out in the desert and it contains and it's just old, old rides. Disneyland rides. Uh, so it's, it's actually Disneyland Zero is what we call it, because it's actually before the original Disneyland. But also, wouldn't that still just be a, another semi-permanent theme park? You'd constantly be adding to it as Disneyland shut rides down. Even that, even a museum theme park like that wouldn't be a permanent structure. It would always be changing. Yeah, and, and we talked about this a little bit with Kevin Perjurer of uh, Defunct Land way back in episode 13 when we interviewed him. Um, but this idea that preserving theme park uh, stuff, be it rides, be it attractions, be it even uh, iconography and and certain like big structures is impossible without simply recreating them or maybe with a scale model. But if you want to preserve the experience, sometimes you just got to rebuild the thing. Uh, yeah. And Alice, I can't really think of any... Uh, legitimate examples of a ride that is you know complicated and built and had a track and cars and things like that being removed and then re-added uh to a theme park uh not off the top of my head i certainly can't we do have one example of an attraction that did make a triumphant return however and what was that uh captain eo oh now Captain EO. Captain EO is such a special attraction because it's a it's an attraction that demanded a special theater be built for it. Um, and then it lived in that theater and then it left that theater because it's a movie. So the 3D film was changed out for a different 3D film and some of the effects in the uh, film were changed so that it could become Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And then it went through several other iterations before eventually just re-becoming Captain EO. And I gotta say, that's an interesting phenomenon. Rides that can kind of be swapped out of each other. Um, Or rather, I guess I should say attractions. Attractions that can kind of be swapped out of each other and just um, go back to how they were. And I think Captain EO might be the only example of something like that that I've ever seen. That um, I, yeah, that I personally have ever seen. Um, and it was good. And it was nice to see it come back for a little bit. That was like a like I remember my mom talking about Captain EO. And then 
it was, you know, I but I had just like heard about it and was like, oh, well, that you know, that's something I'll never see because they're never going to bring back a Michael Jackson film. Um, <laughs> and then they did. Those <laughs> and, I got to, and I got to see it. And that was after Michael Jackson had died. And it was like a like a tribute kind of like a isn't this nice to to have this back for a moment. But even then, I didn't think that that was going to stay or stick around and stay permanent. I thought it was just like, a, oh, let's just bring this back as a tribute. It certainly and stuck it, around longer than I thought it would. It was around for uh, over four years when they brought it back. That's a long holy, time. That is a lot for, longer than I thought. For a temporary tribute. Um, and yet... Uh, in those four years it never felt stale and actually when it left i felt a little sad um because there was something about it that was kind of special even though it was just a movie a 3d movie uh made by you know the greatest artists of their time um some of the greatest artists of their time i should say uh it was it was kind of a special attraction there was something about it that seemed kind of timeless and i liked having it back around um, and I wonder, Alice, because there are still some rides at Disneyland that have um, only changed a little. Uh, they've they've changed just a tad. Uh, like uh, Star Tours, the adventures continue. Uh, or, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Mission colon breakout exclamation point. Thank you. Um, and there's there's a chance there for these rides to kind of revert on a special occasion um there's this feeling that maybe they'd go back maybe just a little bit for a little while for four years uh, <laughs> and i wonder <laughs> yeah, like i can see that, i can see star sense? tours going star tours going back for like four or five years maybe, like maybe before it an, closes forever on an anniversary kind of thing they bring back captain rex you know for for a little bit you know i can I can absolutely see them pulling that off just for just for like Star Tours. I don't know about a lot of other rides, though. There are a lot of rides that they couldn't bring back. I mean, one, because they've taken tracks out or because they've put like an entirely different structure in its place. Um, but uh, yeah, I could I could see I could see something. I, I yeah like uh, like uh, okay I, uh, right I could see for Star Tours but I couldn't see it for Tower of Terror for example like Mission Breakout they changed the whole facade and interior they changed like everything about that ride it would not be an easy revert I don't think as quickly no. as it went up I don't think that they could bring it back as as quickly I really don't think so and and maybe it wouldn't even be right to do so because these are changes that were made to maintain the relevance of these attractions. These were changes that were made uh, by creative people who were doing more creative work on top of existing creative work. I know that it feels cheap sometimes to look at an update or at a replacement um, and say, but remember what used to be here and wasn't that great too. But at the same time, this is a new artistic expression and I think it can be just as valid. Um, maybe even uh, by iterating and by innovating on top of older technologies, in some ways, new and more valid um, than its predecessors. And 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 I just I just like had another thought. Like 
like it's it's nice when we get to see new creative works come in and out and eventually and maybe those new creative works that come in and these new you know these new artists that get to make new art and and give us an, a fun new experience uh yeah maybe we maybe we miss the the thing that used to be there for uh, for a bit but um like the thing that comes in could possibly end up being your new favorite thing. The thing that you miss when it leaves eventually. And uh, like, uh, I, I just, I just started thinking about, um, about, I mean, we were talking about uh, star tours. Um, you know, what was in the space that star tours was bef- before uh, journeys through inner space, adventure through inner space. Oh, what did I say? Um, journey through it's okay uh it's just i i started thinking about adventure through inner space and obviously we never we're not old enough to have ever been on adventure through inner space um which dates us pretty exact um (laughs) well we are turning 90 this year alice yes snatch (laughs) um but my mom talks about adventure through inner space every once in a while like she'll say, "Oh, I remember when this used to be Adventure Through Inner Space. I remember how I liked that. Uh, how I liked that that experience." And I was like, "Tell me about it." And it was an Omni Mover thing. All crazy Omni Mover, yeah. and and um, and she'll talk about it, but then she'll be like, "Yeah, but you know, let's go ride Star Tours." Like, <laughs> like it's it. She, as much as she liked it back when it was a thing, the thing that replaced it is something that she also really likes. And she's not even a Star Wars fan, but she likes the simulator ride, and she likes that we like it. You know, every time we go on it with right. her, she th- she she laughs at how we pretend to shoot the blasters and everything. And right. and, and and it was, it's like yeah, we lost like kind of a a, a long running icon. I mean, Adventure Through Inner Space Ride for twenty whole years. Um, but the thing that replaced it is now our icon. So when it closes, we'll be sad. And like, it's kind of a, kind of a, a weird thing to celebrate that kind of like, oh, well, our parents, you know, mourned the loss of this and we mourn the loss of that. Like it's, it's like a, like a, a tradition that gets passed down that we all get to mourn our, our favorite rides or, you know, but it's actually kind of special. I think that, that we, that we do get that and, and that we get to experience that it's sad, but it's kind of like circle of life. Right. I guess. Yeah. And, and the thing about theme parks is that they are living texts. They're very alive and constantly in flux because their main stated purpose uh, is to attract people. They are attractions and (laughs) new things attract people. And if you can't stay relevant, then you can't do your job as, as an attraction. You can't continue to attract. Now I know many attractions that are focused on their history. Um, Alice, we've even been to a few uh, such as the mystery spot. Um, which is yeah. focused on both its mystery and its history. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's something to be said for changing things and updating them and keeping them alive and um, giving them new new reasons to be visited by people. And I think that's what's so cool about theme parks is that they can exist as semi-permanent spaces that are a certain way for a certain amount of time. And when they change, sometimes they change, change. Let me try again. 
<laughs> and when they change, sometimes they change drastically and dramatically and in ways that feel not great at the time. But like you said, it's just another chance for something great to come out of it. So at the end of the day, I think change is a good thing. I agree. Well, Alice, it seems like our conversation about the permanent nature of theme parks has come to an end. But the conversation continues. Yes, the conversation continues on the Internet. <laughs> what? We, the Internet? The Internet. Uh, our favorite place in the world. Uh, we are, of course, on Twitter. Um, we're constantly on Twitter, really talking about theme parks and talking about Star Wars and talking about uh, Galaxy's Edge specifically, just all the time, oh, man, which the is a combination of our favorite things of theme parks and Star Wars. The news coming out of Galaxy's Edge has been so incredible lately, and I've got all the updates for you on my Twitter page. I am at buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And I am at Alice White THP, both on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, Alice, we got a couple of important Twitter shout outs for this episode specifically. So like we said at the beginning of the episode, uh, we got to talk about this episode before we made it with a couple of our good friends on Discord. Um, the first of whom, of course, is TH Ponders. He's at TH Ponders on Twitter. Uh, and he's the host of Accession, which is a podcast about museums and art and the experience of those things. Really amazing podcast. I highly recommend everybody go listen to it. He also co-hosts uh, Rogue Fun, a podcast story with you, Alice, doesn't he? Oh, that's right. He does. <laughs> he is my co-host on Rogue Fun. We talk about uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story every month. Uh, we are recording uh, January's episode this week. So uh, keep your eyes open. Uh, we also got to talk to our friend on the Discord, Liam, who is at Liam Belson, Liam Belson, L-I-A-M-B-E-L-S-O-N on Twitter. Uh, and he gave us some of the insights that we had on the way that theme park experiences are personal um, and that by changing over time, it can make a personal experience more personal because if you go in a certain time and place, then that's yours. And if it changes, then it makes it even more yours. So thank you for that insight, Liam. That's really good. Yeah, stuff. that was really it was super nice to talk to these guys on Discord. Um, and the reason why we were able to do that, the reason why we um, set that Discord chat up kind of very last minute um, is that we wanted a chance to uh, experiment with one of our cool new Patreon rewards. Oh man, Alice, do we get to talk about our Patreon rewards now? I think it's time to talk about our Patreon awards. Um, guys, I am so excited that we are doing this Patreon. Uh, as you might know, podcasting for us is kind of a hobby, but it's kind of an expensive one that requires, uh, you know, hosting fees and new equipment and going to theme parks and other themed attractions, which can... <laughs> pile up the expenses so we're hoping to cover some of that uh through the patreon and we've got some great rewards for you guys if you back us um such as bonus minisodes every month at the two dollar level yeah the two dollar level is the uh it's our our we've named our um the levels after uh the old uh ticketing system at disneyland so we have a b c d and e ticket 
uh, levels. Uh, the A ticket level is $2 per month. Um, that's our, our lowest tier. At $2 a month, you get uh, your name on the supporters page on our website and uh, immediately, automatically access to all monthly bonus mini episodes. So every month we'll be putting up one or more uh, tiny little episodes, uh, usually on topics that uh, are too specific maybe uh or or too small to um to be their own full episode so they'll be you know five to ten minutes long quick little chats conversations about theme parks and uh all of the stuff you love from us but in miniature form and you get that right away for uh the the lowest tier we're not going to make you pay too much to get access to that content no we really want to be able to share that stuff with as many people as possible Alice, I am super excited for some of the other reward tiers. We shouldn't read them all out here, but at higher tiers, uh, our patrons can expect special Discord privileges. Uh, they can get postcards and stickers personalized, signed by us, sent to them. Um, they can get welcomed to monthly watch parties of movies based on attractions or maybe even just attraction ride through videos um and we'll all watch them together and chat while we watch them uh and at the very highest level at the e-ticket level uh we will welcome our patrons to uh help us produce the podcast by having a similar chat like we had with ponders and liam uh about you know what we want to uh, record about they can pitch us ideas and give us feedback uh, as we prepare for each new episode I'm really excited for that tier I hope we can get a couple of friends uh, to share that stuff with us so I can't wait yeah I think you guys are really gonna like it we had a really good chat uh, with uh, with Ponders and Liam and uh, and we had a couple of people uh, barely miss it they, they just all, they barely miss being able to chat with us and and I know that they would have had some really great uh, input to this conversation also because we um, we love talking to our friends and we love talking to our listeners and we uh, love to hear from you and we want to share our experience making the podcast uh, with you and uh, and and in order to do that though yes we do have to, to start this Patreon um, because um, yeah, because we, we've got stuff to pay for. And if you like it and you want to help us out, uh, we really, really, really appreciate it. But just as much helping us out uh, with your with your monetary contribution is also you and your word of mouth. We <laughs> sharing the episode with your friends, telling people about it, tweeting about it, tagging us in your tweets so we can retweet you. Uh, all of those things uh, really, really do an awesome job of helping us uh, keep this show up and running. And for those of you who already do that, we love and appreciate you so much. Uh, yeah, because without you, there is no podcast. So to each and every one of you uh, listening, we really do appreciate you guys uh, even even being here to hear these words. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Alice, did you know that right now our listeners are probably hearing our theme music? 
A theme music is Golden Gate by the California Fee Warmers featuring Phil Alvin. Yes, it is by those people featuring that person. And did you know that they could find the the Feet Warmers and all of their music at www.californiafeetwarmers.com? I did. Also, did you know that you put in additional music into this episode? I am acutely aware of the additional music that I added to this episode, and it was all by Kevin McLeod, uh, who you can find the music of at incomptech.com. Um, Kevin is a prolific composer of many tracks that you've no doubt heard all over the internet, and he lets us use them royalty-free as long as we credit him, so this is that credit. Thank you so much, Kevin McLeod. Thank you, Kevin McLeod, and thank you, listeners. We appreciate you and love you, and we hope to see you all over the internet and on our Patreon. Thank you for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places. 